Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. I, I just am absolutely honored and thrilled to be in this house. This is an incredible place. And, you know, I, I told the men on Friday night, um, I'm, I'm Hispanic. I don't know if you could tell that. Um, but, yes, I am caramel. I am brown. Come on, any caramel people in the room? Come on, caramel. Hey. Uh-huh. And we got some chocolate. Where you at, chocolate? Everybody loves chocolate, right? Uh-huh. And we got a lot of whipped cream up in this church right here, okay? Um, but no matter what flavor you are, we all one big Sunday in here. Um, but I, I, I just don't know how to do this another way, so I'm just going to keep it 100 and honest with you. You people are spoiled rotten up in this church right here. You are spoiled rotten. You got an incredible worship team. Come on, give it up for this team right here. They're phenomenal. You've got generational vision. Come on, that is massive. That it's not just going to come on your life, but the lives of your children and grandchildren. And then, of course, just from the start to the finish and all that God's been doing, I think it's a quality, uh, quality reflection of incredible leadership with Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne and the whole team. Come on, give it up for this incredible team. Phenomenal. I leaned over to Pastor George and I said, man, I wish you would have got a bigger screen. I feel like we missed out a few inches on, on the left and the right. And then, of course, I'm looking at every kid who plays a PlayStation. You're like, is that a cheat code for something? You know, like you're looking everywhere. Uh, but I honestly, I, I am absolutely honored to be here this morning. We had a powerful time on Friday night. Come on, men, did we not? An incredible time uh, really hovering around this topic of finishing. And I'm not just talking about starting I'm talking about finishing, perhaps dreams that have gotten dusty, dormant, or dead, and God resurrecting those to a special place for the anointing and the outpouring of today. And so it was sacred, it was awesome, and I, I gotta tell you, ladies, you got some special men. There are mighty men in this room, whether they're single or married, whether they're broken or healed, employed, unemployed, it does not matter. There's mighty men in your midst. You ought to be thanking God for that right now. But recognizing I got a lot of new friends in the room, I have, I've had a lot of friends come to this church um, and have told me the wonderful things, but this is my first time, so let me tell you my story so you know where this crazy Mexican is coming from, all right? I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, and you heard of my city at one point, but for all the wrong reasons, because you only go there to visit family or to do something illegal. That's the only reason. I'm not lying. I'm not, no, I'm not lying. If you heard about all the cartel wars, all the trafficking, all the, okay, those are all my cousins. Uh-huh. So I'm not lying. Christmas was fun or the FBI was kicking in the front door. That was my childhood. And my whole life felt like an episode of Narcos. That's what it felt like. All right. So by the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, and an anger issue, but I love to play basketball. Come on. Anybody love to hoop in here? Anyone? All four of you. That's great. Um, Florida's going to struggle, um, but not last, not yesterday. Oh, come on, Florida got a W. Did I, people aren't that convinced. It was ugly. It was ugly, right? Um, I watched the highlights. Anyways, but I, uh, I remember I went to this church that had a gym, and they would open it up right before their youth service to get all the students to fill the gym and then shut down the gym and move them all into a service. Well, in that transition, I would dip. I would leave and find somewhere else to play, but the youth pastor, he got involved in my life, and one day he came to me. He said, hey. You want to go to church camp? Now, honest to God, I had no idea what this was, all right? He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I said, there are going to be hot girls at this camp. There are going to be fine women 
at this camp, I was a six-year-old little pervert, all right? I had no idea what I was saying. And, and he said, uh, he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. <laughs> I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize, church, is on the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Spirit, got called in the ministry all in one night. And God has just postured my life as humbly as I can say this, to use what little I have to be in some incredible spaces, carrying some incredible vision, whether it was a missionary in Sri Lanka, a youth pastor in Texas, a business leader in our community, and really the last 14 years of my life, I've spent raising and releasing this next wave of influencers that's coming out of this generation, and they are going to be holy disruptions in education, in politics, in business, in the church, in medicine. I'm telling you, we have great days ahead. And there's no way I could do this on my own. Um, I married the right one for me, Erica Estrada. We just celebrated 18 years. We have four beautiful kids. She wants more. I don't. Pray for her, not me. All right, that's called demonic attack. Good looks. I just can't handle it anymore. God help us. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Church at the Rock. Come on, anybody excited about being in the building this morning? Now, as you can tell, I just don't do no quiet church. I'm too Hispanic for that, all right? I, I, I believe the Word of God deserves a response, hello? I told the men on Friday night, I believe the Word of God deserves home field advantage. Like, I like playing on my home court because it meant I had the most crowd support. Well, I believe we should give the word the most crowd support at church. Can we do that? Somebody say yes. Come on, shout yes. Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. That's a a big word like mayonnaise, (laughs) right? Are you ready for the word? No, church, are you ready for the word? Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Hey, do me a favor. Turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. I know what generation we live in for crying out loud. Turn it on. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. My Bible says it's the Word of God that's living and active, not what it shows up on or is written on. So whether you have to upgrade or you just have to highlight, doesn't matter. Just find your Bible, all right? 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to begin eating right here, and we'll probably nibble in some other places. As I feel like God's prepared a meal for us this morning. I feel like I've been talking to God about you all week. You don't just come into the rock with Pastor George and bring some lame watered down life coaching word you better bring revelation there is a certain expectation when you come into this place and I love that I love the honor and the sacred desk and being able to minister to God's people and I just can't help but get away from this word that's burning in my heart right now and not just for us this morning but really for a nation and a generation I I, um, I, 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 I want to parachute in the middle of a situation the king of Syria Uh, who you'll find as the Arameans in Scripture, is constantly creating conflict with the nation of Israel. And he will come up with these wicked ideas to somehow invade into Israel, and he'll come in the middle of the night, he'll call all his advisors, counselors, his generals together, and he'll give them what he wants, and they go to execute the plan. And so as soon as he would say it, it would leave his mouth and end up in their hearing, but it'd end up in a pair of ears he didn't expect, and that was the prophet Elisha. The Bible says that Elisha would hear what the wicked king would say, report it to the uh, king of Israel, and say, you're about to be uh, invaded. Uh, uh, Go ahead and send reinforcements and garrisons to such and such place at this and this time, and you'll be able to fight off the surprise attack. Well, the Bible's very clear. 
It says this happened time and again. So this didn't just happen one time, family. This happened all the time. Are you following me? Time and again, Elisha would warn the king of Israel. Well, after several attempts, the wicked king gets so frustrated. He's so mad, he calls the same circle advisors, counselors, and generals again. And he says, which of you is a traitor? Which of you is informed? In other words, you're tweeting about our next steps. What's going on? Right? And they're sitting there, they're like, uh, they're like which of you the traitor? And they're like, oh, 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 I don't know. It was, they have a prophet, my lord, the king. And he hears everything you say, even in the privacy of your own bedroom. Come on, that's awkward, though. Let's just be honest. The Bible be saying stuff, you're like, ooh. (laughs) That pillow talk ain't going to stay on a pillow very long, right? And so he said, well, tell me where he's at that I may seize him. They said, well, Elisha's at Dothan, and Dothan means cutting. That's a whole different uh, sermon. And so they said, let's send a whole army against this one guy. So they do this, and we're going to pick up reading right here in verse 14. It says, so one night the king of Syria sent a great army, many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, don't be afraid. Come on, there's some wind on that one. You feel that? Don't be afraid. I, I feel like anytime God did something major in Scripture, he always had to preface it with, don't Be afraid, Joshua, for I will go before you and I will give you houses you did not build and vineyards you did not plant and I'll give you homes you did not structurize. I I won't be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Moses, for I go before you. Don't be afraid for born to you in this day in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord and he will redeem or save his people from their sins. Are you following me? Don't be afraid. Go into all the world and preach this God. Are you following me? Don't be afraid. And then he adds to it. He says, don't be afraid, for there are more with us than against us. Come on, we have a church now. There are more with us than against us. Man, this is strong. It says, then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. Would you say that with me? Open and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Man, there is so much here, and we're going to taste it all, but let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith, you are full of hope, you are full of peace, you are full of joy, and I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment that has found its way into your marriage, into your babies, it's found its way into your job, it's found its way into your family. I say is broken and canceled now in Jesus' name. And I call your men and women into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I call them into their anointing. I call them into their strength. And I establish them, Lord, like you would establish yourself in our lives establish them in the kingdom of life. I establish them in your authority. I establish them in your goodness. I establish them, God, in their destiny. 
I thank you for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice, both in person and online, that you would be a holy interruption in these next few moments. That you would, they would hear the voice within the voice. That they would get their own message while one is being preached. That they would get their own directions, their own prophetic word without someone singling them out. God, this is holy, consecrated, devoted moments now. We call people into it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. 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 I feel like praying this morning. I have a title for you, but I, I want to preface it with this. Uh, I, because really the title itself. I, I have no cultural, political, co- uh, like I have no agendas attached to this title. No lie. When I wrote this message, I just thought that's a great title. I want to speak to you from the subject that's burning in my heart called Stay Woke. I truly believe that there is a version of this that's on the earth that is not from heaven. There is a natural wokeness that all you do when you're supposedly woke is you just are recognizing the problem. But you don't know how to solve the problem. And then you go and post online thinking that your mini awareness campaign is going to change something. And the truth is, if you prayed as much as you posted, we'd actually change some things. I didn't want to settle my life on just recognizing the same problem that we've had for generations. I want to posture my heart to notice the problem and tell them about the solution. To notice the weaknesses and then bring strength to it. Notice what's broken and create a strategy or language or an opportunity for God to arise and his people to follow in after that. We need people who are spiritually awake. People who live here but are anchored up there and can see things from heaven's perspective and they're not moved by headlines and they're not moved by social media fees and they're not moved by opinions and propaganda they are moved by a rush and a mighty wind they are moved by the voice of many waters they smell the scent of water they know not God's moving but they know why he's moving where he's moving where he's going and when he's going to do that we need woke people again people who pray until they feel a release people who fast until God answers people who worship until that heaviness breaks we need people People who don't make sense in this world but know how to touch the heart of God. We need woke people. Where are the woke at? Where are the pioneers? Where are the dangerous ones? I'm talking about the risk takers. I'm talking about those who have laid down their labels, their logos, and their egos just so God and his kingdom gets a W. We need woke people again. I feel like my assignment today is to tell you stay are you hearing me this morning? I remember one time I was uh, coming out of the gym. Don't be that impressed. It was a dodgeball tournament. And uh, I don't know about anyone else, but uh, I hate to lose. I don't know about anyone else. I don't, enjoy, uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy losing. I like to win. And uh, I don't play anything just to play. Uh, that, that's just not me. That may be for you, and it's wicked, but that's not for me. That's not for me. I, I play to win. No matter what it is. Listen, it don't matter if it's a matching game with my six-year-old or it's NBA 2K with my 15-year-old. I plan on destroying you. And, and I'm not making excuses about it. And definitely don't go cry to your mama because she's double the savage that I am. I'm telling you, my wife don't raise no weak kids. I'm telling you right now. I ain't ra- my kids are saved, but they're not soft. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Like, I, 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 
It don't matter. Like people that one of them would come up to me, like, you don't let me win. And I wish you would give me just one more chance and you would help me. Out. Don't don't come over here crying. You put in the blood, sweat, and tears in Monopoly to get a W. And then when you get a W, you'll feel better about it. Don't come over here crying to me. Why? Because I want to raise my kids for a world that exists. Because in the real world, your boss doesn't give you a participation trophy and says, well, at least you tried. In the real world, you got the promotion, you got the commission, you got all the advantages because you put in the labor. So I like to win. <laughs> yes, I need my notes. Um, and so I, uh, I, I remember I was getting, coming out of this dodgeball tournament, and uh, we got eliminated early. I don't want to talk about it. And... <laughs> And I remember I get this text message on my phone. It came in three text messages. You know these people who can send it in one but choose to send it three times because they got attention issues, right? So first text message, yo, what's up? Next text message, is this Darnisha? Next text message, this Antoine from Saturday night. Now, honest to God, Pastor George, before Jehovah God, I meant to, I, I promise, I typed, this is not Darnisha. But the autocorrect on my phone sent, this is Darnisha. <laughs> to which Antoine hit back, sup, girl. <laughs> so I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> so I just texted back, nothing, hee hee, emoji, 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 and baby, it was all. He said, what you doing right now? I said, well, I, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go to bed. He said, yeah, you should go to bed. I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. look at Antoine. Ten seconds in my life, speaking godly direction in my life. <laughs> so I go home. I shower and get in bed. And those who know me close, they know I go to bed at 9, like to wake up 4.35 in the morning. I've been this way since high school. I just love early mornings. And so I, um, I remember I, I'm lying in bed. I have my phone, this is for the do not disturb feature, so my phone, I can hear when a text message comes on, and so I'm lying in bed, and my wife's laying next to me, and she's opening her Bible, reading her Bible, because she, she's the real Christian, I'm just the preacher, and, and she, she's sitting there, and I'm falling asleep, and all of a sudden, I hear the on my phone, just like that, and I'm thinking, that could only be one person. Sure enough, it was Antoine. He said, sweet dreams, baby girl. To which I started texting back and laughing out loud. I was like, ha, 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 he don't even know. I mean, I was all hyped about it. And then my wife said, who's that? I said, that's Antoine. <laughs> Trying to make it sound normal. I said, that's Antoine. She said, who's Antoine? What does he want? I said, well, he, um, he won't talk to Darnisha. <laughs> she said, who's Darnisha? I said, well, life's funny. I said, I'm Darnisha. She looked at she no lie, she looked at me, she said, you're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man? I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. This went on for two weeks. Yes, it did. I, listen, I am that pastor, and I'm going to have fun with my life. I don't know what you're doing with your boys. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to have a lot of jokes along the way, all right? This went on for two weeks. I had people following my hashtag days of Darnisha. It's still live right now. Darnisha with an E because she's a deep soul, independent woman. But Darnisha and people were following from all over the world and they were like, keep it going. Keep it going. And, and I would have, I really would have, Pastor Jamie, I really would have. But then Antoine one day hit back. He said, hey, hey, I want to see you again. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you, you and I both know the next time he sees Darnisha, he gonna notice some things have changed. Maybe upgraded, I don't know, but better, I don't know. He said, he said, hey, I wanna see you again. I knew that as soon as he saw me, he would recognize I am not who I said I was. I knew as soon as he took one glance or one look over at me, he would recognize I had been playing games and calling, calling ambushes and had been putting fog over his mind. He would recognize I am not who I said I was. I believe that this is an hour prophetically that God is uncovering so much so the church can start getting a strategy and a game plan. He is literally exposing the weaknesses in our culture. He has given us eyesight and perspective into what could be strengthened and what needs to die, what needs to be prayed for, what is already settled. And the only people who are going to be aware of how we leverage this moment to its fullest capacity are the people who Stay woke. We cannot afford to let headlines put us to sleep again. In our bitterness and in our rage and in, our, uh, in, in all of our disappointment. We cannot afford to let culture propaganda come and try to influence you to get you to not believe in a biblical worldview or to get you to believe that it's outdated when my Bible has outlasted every regime, every dynasty, every major influencer, every major voice, and it's still healing the sick and mending relationships and building great marriages and establishing godly families. It still functions since the day he said it. We need people who know how to stay woke. We need a young generation who knows how to see through all the lies and see through all of the blitzes and all the ambushes and all the lies that they would try to tell you to try to reestablish yourself in your gender, in your mentality, in your emotions, even in your biblical faith. They would try to steal that away from you and still you would be able to call yourself a crew. No, we need people to stay woke. And if we're going to stay woke... Here's three things you get to say with your life. Number one is I'm ahead. I live ahead. I have met a lot of great believers who's all, who have always felt that they're always behind. They, they seem to think that somehow the enemy, they know God does, but the enemy knows more about their destiny and their life than they do. Like, they, that's why he knows how to attack me. Are you kidding me right he, the enemy's not any of that. He's not omniscient, omnipresent. He's not any of that. That's not even theologically sound. What he does do, according to Daniel chapter 7 and an established pattern, in Daniel 7 it says he comes to pervert the times and the seasons. Let me put this in your world. He tries to get you to miss your moment. He tries to get you to miss your cue, your opportunity, your open door, your uh, chance to take a risk. He tries to get you to, to completely uh, uh, abort the assignment. And the truth is, he, he will try, if he can't get you to sin, he'll just get you distracted. And the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, here's what's interesting to me. He, if he can't get you to sin and fall into an early grave, what he will do is distract your entire life and a distracted life is a destroyed life. Because all you did was delay destiny and God had to take the anointing and the calling and put it on someone else. Are you following me? We have to be convinced I'm ahead. I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. I just know I'm ahead. I, I like this. It says that time 
and again, Elisha would warn the king of Israel, you are about to be invaded, send reinforcements and garrisons to fight off this attack, and the humble king would do exactly what he said. What would it be like in this day if we had teenagers, if we had praying parents who in their prayer closet, in their time with the Lord, the Lord said, I need you to get in touch with the right authorities and tell them to show up on this day at this time with this group of people, and these are the names of those people because they're about to plan a massive loss of life. And you get in touch with the right authorities and you have them show up on this day at this time, and every one of those names is represented in that house or in that place. You know what would happen? We would shut down corruption. We would shut down school shootings. We would shut down all the scandals. We would get rid of all the enemy's pains and all we needed was people who knew how to stay woke and the reason why is they were fully convinced I'm ahead here's the second thing you get to say with your life when you're going to stay woke number two I'm an ambush I've got news for you church we are not being ambushed we are the ambush I, I, I am not the threatened I'm the threat I am not the minority We have reduced minority to ethnicity. I am not the minority. Because when I pray, I touch the heart of one who the earth is his and everything in it. I am never the minority. I am the majority. Are you hearing me? I remember one time I was in my office. My door was closed. My assistant at this time was El Salvadorian. All right. So she came with all the spicy. All right. All the sauce. All the attitude. All of it. All right. All of it. Which is why I hired her. And so, I remember she's sitting on the other side of my door. My door's closed. I'm trying to power through all of these emails. And all of a sudden, I hear something in her, her side of the office. And I hear a woman hysterically storm my office go, Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. And my assistant, she didn't even miss a beat. She's like, Where's Pastor Chris? Hey, what you doing coming in here acting all crazy? What you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? <laughs> now, I'm hearing all this. And so I go to the door, Pastor George, I do what any man of God does in this situation. I lock the door. That's exactly right. I lock the door. But then because I'm an extra man of God, I put my ear to the door to see what's going on because I'm super nosy. Now, we have an unlisted address. There's no way, Tom, that they would know where, I, where I'm at. They, they have no idea, all right? And so she comes in, and she says, I don't what you want to talk to Pastor Chris for. I lock the door. I put my ear to the door. And she says, well, a voice came into my car and gave me this address and told me that a Pastor Chris has a message for me. (laughs) I'm on the other side of his door, and I'm like, really? (laughs) Because when I prayed this morning, you brought nothing up about crazy women dive bombing this office, and somehow I got a message for Pastor Chris, and Pastor Chris got a message. I had none of that. And then I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And he responded with, that's okay, son, because I'm ready. And when I'm ready, That's when you're ready. You know, I found that perhaps us as a generation of church, this doesn't mean any age, every age bracket, I have found we are too addicted to being ready. We are too addicted to having the right calendar, the right dates, the right agendas, the right formatting, even, I mean, the right resources. We gotta have the budgets, we gotta have the timing, we gotta have all this, and then I'll feel ready. Or we've addicted ourselves to what's even worse is training. Because we're so insecure. We won't trust God, but we'll go to spend $10,000 on a master class in this or $10,000 on a 10X this or we'll go and get more training and more training and more training and more training and you do no doing, but you are trained. 
I'm telling you, nothing wrong with developing yourself, nothing wrong with preparing for management, nothing wrong with preparing for marriage or ministry. All the training matters. But at some point, you're going to have to let go of all of your familiar, all of your common, all of your usual, and move into I'm ahead and baby, I'm an ambush, and I refuse to be caught off guard. I mean, we're, we're so addicted to being ready. I mean, have you read this book? This not full of people that had a plan. None of them. Like, hey, hey, Noah, hey, Noah, hey, listen, build a boat where there's no water. Just trust me. Trust, watch. Just trust me. Hey, David, David, hey, D, listen, go kill a giant with no armor. I got you. I got you. I got you. Hey, Mary, you're going to birth the Savior. Are you following me? But she never knew a man. Pow! No, Abraham too old. Gideon's too scared. Are you following me? These people were not ready, ever. And this is who we read about. And then we're over here, super American, and trying to take every online class so we could cast out devils. It's half laughter, half pain in your face. Like, ha, ha, God. How does he know? Because I done it. I did it. Don't let these pants fool you. I live in California, but I'm from Texas. I spent most of my life in Texas. It's been a beautiful thing in California. All right, but I'm here to tell you, you are not here to trust the readiness. You are here to trust him. So when he says, that's okay, son, when I'm ready, that's when you're ready. I remember this lady's getting loud. She's screaming like, oh, please, let me talk. Please. And I opened the door. I said, ma'am, ma'am, I'm here. I'm here. And I, and I said, please, come on in. I told my assistant, you come too. Unless anything happens, I need you. you know, day one activity. You know what I'm saying? So, so, I, so I remember this lady gets in, making a long story short. She starts to tell me that she's on her fourth divorce. She has different children out of every one of these marriages. Then it falls out of her mouth. She says, well, this happened to my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and her mother. And I, I, I stopped her and I said, ma'am, listen, I know why God would send you here. I said, the truth is, it sounds like to me, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to ask for his forgiveness and receive that because it's not just going to be for you. Because after that, I'm going to pray with you to forgive all of these men, not just in your life, but in your family's life. And we can break this generational cycle off of you right now. And when I said this, she started manifesting a demon full blown, full blown. I'll tell you. I said, and you're going to forgive these men. And she's like, no, I'm not. Ah, 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 right in my office. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I got junk to do today. I have time for this. Clean this crap up. I can't do this. Right? Ah, 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 ah. I mean, demon juice is going everywhere. This lady's like spit everywhere. Now, what you don't know about me, I'm a germaphobe. Like, honey, I don't let people touch my food. I don't like it. I don't like people touching my drink. I mean, I, I, I kiss my wife in tongues, but I will not drink after this woman. No way. I'm a man of God. I love my kids, but I'm not drinking after them nasty little gremlins. No way. This is not a spirit. This is a standard, and I expect you to know the difference. But I, I, I'm sitting there saying, ha, ha, demon juice is going everywhere, and I'm like, come on. So we start praying, immediately start praying. And my assistant, I mean, let me teach you something about Hispanic Latinos. There's one layer of prayer we enter into in English. But when that thing switches over to Spanish, get out the way. 
just helping you out, all right? Because when you start praying in Spanish, I mean, even Jesus himself is like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is it. This is it. Michael, Gabriel, back, back. Remember what happened last time? She ran you over. I mean, that's exactly what happened, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm like, in the name of Jesus. And she's like, yes, Jesus. Yeah. In the nombre de Jesus. De fuego. Fuego de Dios. Levántate. Levántate. I'm telling you, this demon didn't even have a chance. This lady just went, boom, on the floor, knocked out cold under the power of God and had a two-minute visitation from Jesus right there in my office, got saved, and is still serving in that church to this day. Why, why would that happen? Why would that happen? Because we're ahead, and we are the ambush. It wasn't on my calendar. I didn't see it coming. It was unexpected. But when I am aligned with God, my posture is always, I'm the ambush. You know, do you notice the text here? It says that Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Right? Then he sees the hillside is full of chariots, horses, uh, a fire. Now, this is what's interesting to me. I think it's important to know what the Bible says. I also think it's equally as important to know what the Bible does not say. Let me, I, I'm, all the, I'm the guy for revival. I want revival. I, I want signs, wonders, salvations, healings, miracles. I want all of that. But I, I don't think revival is more services, conferences, meetings, and gatherings. I don't think that. I really believe revival is a lifestyle. In other words, if you can't prophesy here and not do the same thing in Walmart, it's not real. Are, are you following me? And so I, I want revival. I want the miracles. I want the testimonies. But I am finding what we truly need today is not just to move the spirit. We need a Bible revival to know the word. And again, I believe it's important to know what the word says and what the word does not say. I want you to notice, did you pay attention to what Elisha did not pray for? Did you notice this? Lord, open his eyes. Notice what he does. He is surrounded by an entire enemy army. And he never prays, Lord, Lord, you with us? Lord, you going to deliver us? Lord, you going to protect? He never prays that. The only thing Elisha prays for is this blind, spiritually blind servant of his. That's the only, which tells me this is a picture of what Jesus is doing on this side of the cross as it says that he is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us so that we could get our sight right. Have you ever noticed the answer was never what you needed? It was the perspective. It was, what you know, God's playing seventh dimensional chess and we're all playing checkers. And then when you see things from heaven's perspective, you're like, that makes sense. And there's a peace that comes or there's a faith that comes or there's an endurance that hits your heart and you're able to pile through, not because you got the good word or because somehow you're special. It's just God opened your eyes. I'm praying, God, open our eyes. You do realize 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the people. But Jesus' messianic job description is that he would restore sight to the blind. He's not talking about physical blindness. He's talking about spiritual blindness because he'll never bring up deaf ears or lame legs in his messianic job description in Isaiah and in the early chapters of our Gospels. Are you following me? It never does that. Why? Because what we lost in the garden was the ability to see God. Are you following me? Now, you've got to read your Bible with some humor sometimes. Do you remember, I think it was John chapter 9. Um, 
Jesus walks up. Jesus walks up to a blind man. A blind man. And says, hey, you want to see? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, he blind. Like, I'm not pointing out the obvious. I'm just saying, why are you asking this? Like, he blind. Hey, you want to see? And if the, guy's like, the guy's response in the scripture is like, yes, Lord. I'm sure it went like that. Because if I'm blind and someone walks in, hey, you want to see? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Total win. Right? But, the, you know, the guy's like, yes, Lord. Right? So Jesus is like, okay. He then bends down, spits in the dirt, and makes mud. And then grabs it and puts it in the blind guy's eye. And the blind guy doesn't even see it coming. I'm thinking, Jesus, you play too much, sir. You put mud in blind eye, blind eye people. You can't be doing that. And then Jesus literally asks him, what do you see? <laughs> I, 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 and this guy's like, look at his response. He says, I see men walking around like trees. Then Jesus like, okay, spits in the dirt again, makes more mud. I mean, the CDC would be freaking out right now, Okay. <laughs> takes it, puts it in the guy's eyes again, and then asks him, now what do you see? And he says, I can see clearly now. I would like to submit to you that Jesus was healing his spiritual sight before he was healing his natural sight. And you're, you're probably like, well, could you back this up in chapter and verse? I would love to. Because you will always find in scripture that trees are equivalent to people. They are types and shadows of each other. And you find this all throughout the text. I mean, go to Psalms chapter 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But he will, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he will meditate on it day and night. For he will be like a planted by the river whose leaves do not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. Are you following me? Jesus stops his disciples and teaches to a hungry crowd and says, you know a good, a good tree because a good tree bears good fruit. And you know a bad tree because it bears bad fruit. Are you following me? He's not talking about having a green thumb. He's talking about knowing the people you walk with. So what I am telling you is Jesus is healing this blind man's sight. Jesus is opening the eyes of this blind servant. Could it be that we are just seeing everything wrong? And so it's not that our prayers for revival are wrong. They're just off. It, it, could it be that what we are desiring isn't wrong. It's just pointed in the wrong direction. He's got us worried about things that we should never worry about. We, or we've got ourselves trapped into mindsets, patterns, and, and habits that should we should have never carried. Yet we were seen completely different. Are you hearing me? If we're going to stay woke, number one, I'm, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. And number three, I'm an answer. You know, I, I, uh, I love the ending of this story. Well, really, it goes on, but in our text today, it says that, it says that Elisha notices that the blind-eyed servants are open, and then the army starts to advance on them. And then Elisha literally plays, prays, Lord, strike them with blindness. In other words, what was on my servant, I now remove it and put it on the enemy. Are you hearing me? Strike them with blindness. And he blinds, not just one guy, an entire enemy army. He literally becomes the biggest flashbang in Call of Duty history and takes out a whole army. A whole army. And strikes them. I believe that when the, uh, when the eyes of the church start opening, where we were blind, 
that, uh, uh, that deafness, that blindness, that inactivity, that weakness is returned back to where it came from. That strategy is undone. All of those plans have now dissolved. And the simple win is that God opened my eyes. Are you seeing this? I believe God is causing churches like this to have eyes open so that lives can be restored. I, I, I believe that he's entrusted us with strategies. Like You're no stranger to the vision that we get to carry at Missions Me. You've been with us in the nations. You've stood with us strong. You, you, we've had plenty of people come here. You, we've had spent time with your pastors out there or even in different various places. And it's pretty unique because at the end of 2018, God told us, hey, I'm going to reassign the ministry. And we're like, okay, Lord, where? He said, America. Why? No lie. I'm just nutshelling a longer conversation. And he said, because I've had you in the nations and you have now done, I think it was at that point, it was like 65 stadiums. And he said, I had you do 65 stadiums because that was just practice for America. You've gone through multiple nations. And I'm going to have you stand with me in faith because I'm going to make an aggressive move on America. This was at the end of 2018. We went to Peru. A lot of you were with us in Peru. It was historic. It was moving. It was like, man, we've got a blueprint now for Latin, Hispanic nations, Latin America, South America. And, and then sure enough, um, we said, okay, since God is asking us this, we're going to put a date on the calendar. It's going to be July 2020. July 2020. We all know March of 2020, everything went to a bucket of sock. Not in Florida, but everywhere else. It was really tough. And so I, we're thinking, God, do we cancel? Do we reschedule? Do we postpone? What do we do? God stopped us and he said, you're not allowed to release the budgeted version of my heart. You're only allowed to release the full version of my heart. We said, okay, Lord, tell us what we need to do. He said, start by assembling and uniting the church. That's our vision at Missions Me. Unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. That's the table we eat from. That's the meal we serve. That's the only thing we want to live. And then he said, start by uniting them. And we had 641 pastors gathered in a downtown Los Angeles hotel, all saying, this isn't something you should do. This is something you have to do. Then uh, the Lord was so gracious. He said, now I'm going to give you several keys to unlock this city. The first one was pay off medical debt. We're like, what? Notice, you know, recognizing that medical debt can be negotiated and purchased for pennies on the dollar. The vision was able to come alongside the church and pay off $47 million worth of medical debt in Los Angeles. All of Compton, Inglewood, it was wild. Of course, that starts turning some heads and, and then the Lord said, now go after foster care. We're like, foster care? He said, go after foster care. Come to find out, Los Angeles has the largest foster care system in America, 40,000 kids ready right now to be adopted or fostered right now. And the, the city was literally drowning, doing the best job that they could, but needed a little help to align everything. And, and so we were given access uh, uh, to their systems and you know they could generate on a good year maybe 100 leads. And we don't even know the quality of these leads of families. We just took fire and put it on the vision, 
placed it in front of the church. The church started communicating to its people. We had thousands of leads starting coming in to the foster care system. Till to this day, we have 161 churches continuing to run the foster care play. And we were making a huge dent and causing damage in something that could have literally caused a lot of orphan-mindedness or a lot of repeat offending or anything, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, all of that. Then God said, go into prisons. We planted a church, a streamable service in all 35 state penitentiaries. So, because we said when a convict becomes a convert, they have a community to continue to establish covenant with God and we break the generational curse of repeat offending. They, I mean, there's so much to share. We, we said America needs its families back. In order for America to get its families back, we have to get our fathers back. And if we're gonna get our fathers back, we have to call them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. We held a historic gathering in the middle of COVID at the Bank of California Stadium in the heart of Los Angeles. And between the in-person and online attendance, there were 200,000 men from LA who said, I'm gonna step in to authentic manhood and fatherhood and take spiritual responsibility of my sphere of influence. That's revival. I mean, there's so much more here, but then we, we, we knew going into the city, LA is not just a city that's uh, that's like any other, arguably the media capital of the world. And we started re recognizing that we need to get targeted intelligent outreach. And we started setting up different sites around Los Angeles. And we rotated 86 different surf sites around the city every day for seven days, softening the heart of the city. And then we were pointing them to SoFi Stadium where they just played the Super Bowl. And we knew that the city would not show up for Christian music artists. That's the play we've run thousands of times and we don't fill the stadium with the lost anymore. We fill it with Christians. We take pictures. We feel good about ourselves because we behave like we did something when we did nothing. But what if we were able to find tier one influencers who are on a strong journey with the Lord and they're not perfect, they're not polished, but they have got a journey and they wouldn't mind using their platform, their influence to pull them into the moment out of the city of Los Angeles. So we'll get people off their phones, out of their homes and into the city. And the only way you could get into the stadium is that you would serve four hours, a minimum of four hours. You can even buy tickets to the stadium. And so obviously drafting behind a lineup like Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper and uh, uh, Carrie Job and Chandler Moore and all these others, we filled SoFi Stadium to COVID capacity. And not only that, we filled it with some incredibly important people to this culture and this day, when you've got Conor McGregor and his family on the front row, you've got the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, you've got Chargers, you've got the Kardashians, you've got the top 200 social media accounts on all social media from the D'Amelios to the LeBrants. I mean, you got everybody, all 32, I think it's 32 out of the 34 mayors uh, from the Los Angeles area. You got the Jewish elite that run all the production houses of Warner Brothers and Paramount and Disney Studios, all of them there and the city showing up. And then when we give the opportunity to give your life to Jesus, tears are coming down these people's faces. I have never seen, Pastor George, in my life, I've never seen a more multi-motivated audience in my life. People who they, thought they were coming just for this, they thought they were coming for Justin and they really got Jesus instead. It was powerful and recognizing that perhaps God was trusting us with a blueprint for America that we recognize that LA was never the finishing line we were running to a starting line and when we did, happened upon some research we found out that 50% of the national stats on violence and homicide and homelessness and foster fit the worst of the worst 50% of those national stats come out of five different cities 
Los Angeles, Houston, Miami, Chicago, and New York. And we recognize these are the cities God wants us to go after. And so we did One Day LA in the summer of 2021, and we feel like God is asking us to go after One Day Houston in spring of next year. And then perhaps the year after that, at least on our calendar, we've positioned our hearts to have One Day Miami in 2024. And the whole goal is not to just go after these five cities. The real goal is that after we're done with New York, that we would then start to work on a million member missionary army that would come out of America into the top 50 cities. And then we would call a million missionaries out of the nations of the world to come into America. And we would have an army of two million missionaries that are coming in deployed on these 50 cities and perhaps being a part of joining forces with the greatest denominations and even the greatest movements and uh, just a world-class opportunity to stagger and stage and structure and strategize and take ground in America and all 50 states in their top city in that state. Come on, can you believe God can do it? We need to stay woke. When you do that, you say, I'm ahead, I'm an ambush, and I'm an answer. I love what Jeremiah says. The Lord says, call to me, and I will answer you. And watch this, and then I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, I like Isaiah 43, is it 43, 19? It says, behold, I do a new thing. Not, hear me, America, not a next thing a new thing, right? We've, we've had three years of the next, the next issue, the next scandal, the next problem, the next corruption, the next elected official, next, 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 next. And we can easily train our, our minds and our hearts into what's next, what's next, what's next. He's not doing a next thing. He's doing a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Watch this. And then he says, do you not see it? And then he says, for I will make roadways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, I will be the God of the impossible to you. Would you stand up with me this morning? I truly sense the presence of God in this room, both here, if you're watching online, maybe even catching the recording, I truly sense that God is ministering. I told the Lord, I said, it would not offend me if you interrupt the message on someone's thoughts and you started carrying them through scripture, you started carrying them in their own message and they got something unique and direct from you. It wouldn't offend me if he healed you in the middle of the message or in the middle of worship. It wouldn't offend me if you got set free from bondage or you got a, a, a radical idea or you got something that stirred your spirit. That would not offend me. I think what would grieve God's heart is that if we came in this room with his presence saturating every second and we not meet him where he's at, I truly believe there's, there's some groups of people in this room that we're gonna pray for. If the ministry team, the team, the prayer team, if you don't mind joining me at the front, I truly appreciate your help. But I, I um, there's only one way to stay woke, and that's, first off, you have to be woken up. And the Bible says if you're still dead in your sin, asleep in your sin, in other words, if you're in rebellion, if you... You say you love God, but your life says another thing. I mean, if you do not have a, a, a peaceful, encouraging relationship with the Lord Jesus, 
I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I, I know what it's like to be completely lost in addiction, in brokenness, in confusion. I, I know what it's like to even be try to try to carry the lie that I'm going to be embarrassed that people know that I've got sin in my life. Friend, we are all working out our salvation. We are all before God. But there are some of us who have embraced the mercy of God and so when we confess our sins to one another, we are literally just confessing our humanity and we are bringing our sins into accountability and letting God and those anointed around us to help strengthen us and encourage us. You don't even have that yet. What you need to do is take that first step and stop playing games. God is not in love. I just have to say this. God is not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with the you right now. And when he gets you, he knows everything that he's getting. He knows all the problems and all the purpose. He knows all the pain and all the potential. He knows it all and he still wants us. And I am so convinced more than any other morning, He wants you today. He died so that you would never have to end up in eternal torment, punishment, and separation from Him. He created every bit of the way for you to embrace a relationship with Him. And it starts with God waking you up. Perhaps there's a, uh, an internal spotlight going off on this area, that weakness, this addiction, that problem. And you're like, well, I'll deal with it when I get home. No, the Bible says the time of conviction is here. It's now. Do not miss your moment. Don't fall into Daniel 7 lie where he gets you to miss the times and the seasons of your life. This is an, this is an eternal moment right now. If you have never given your life to Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have never given your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I need you to pray for me. Or you've been away from him. I need you to raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Please don't miss this invitation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Maybe you've been away from him for a long time. And you have never really recognized you needed him until today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Hands going up all over the room. Yes, ma'am. This is the hour. This is the moment. Salvation is pounding on the doors of your heart. Please let me in. That I may rescue you. That my love may come in and transform you. Man, I love these hands. You take those hands and put them down. And I want to pray with you. And I want to ask that you can look up at me, my friends. I, I want to tell you there, we're going to pray. And there's nothing um, special about the prayer. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is the meaning in your heart. The Bible says you confess with your mouth. But believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, ruler, master, decision maker of your life. And then it says, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, then you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. I'm not scaring you this morning, but I am being honest with you. I am not going to treat you like you're an infant. You know exactly why you're praying this prayer. You need Him. You need Him. I need Him. 
My marriage needs him. My babies need him. My life needs him. I need him. We all, we need him. You've been searching for love, not realizing love is a person. He says, I am love. You've been searching for peace, not realizing he is our peace. You've been searching for healing, not recognizing he is your healing. God doesn't have things. He is everything. That's why you're praying the prayer. And I want to ask the church, would you pray? Everyone repeat after me and pray with some volume. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I thank you that I'm ahead. I'm an ambush, and I'm an answer. I thank you. Wake me up and help me to stay woke. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just thank the Lord this morning? Souls. Souls. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.